here we go. We're going to do this from the phone uh, just to see if it works out any better. Um, here we go. Uh, I'm trying to get to Wikipedia because uh, that's the point of the show. I did. I had a pretty awesome little deal set up yesterday, which I told myself I wasn't going to tell anybody, but here I am telling you about uh, what I told myself. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> today's featured article is the Tottenham Outrage of 23 January 1909. It was a theft of wages from the Schnurman Rubber Factory in Tottenham, North London, followed by a two-hour, six-mile police chase. Uh, so let's just go ahead and check out the Tottenham Outrage, which is pretty much uh, this. So let's look up Let's look up armed robbery. Is the crime of taking or attempting to take anything of value by force, threat of force, or by putting a victim in fear? According to common law, robbery is defined as taking the property of another with the intent of permanently, oh, to permanently deprive the person of that property by means of force or fear. That is, it is a larceny or theft accompanied by an assault. Let's look up assault. An assault is the act of inflicting physical harm or unwanted physical contact upon a person or, in some specific legal definitions, a threat or attempt to commit such an action. It is both a crime and a tort. Okay, I'm going to click on tort. A tort in common law jurisdictions is a civil wrong that causes a claimant to suffer loss or harm resulting in legal liability for the person who commits the tortious act or tortious 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 act tort law where the purpose of any action is to obtain a private civil remedy such as damages may be compared to criminal criminal law which deals with criminal wrongs that are punishable by the state so i'm going to go ahead and just click on criminal wrongs uh, which takes you to crime. In ordinary language, a crime is an unlawful act punishable by a state or other authority. We're going with state. A government, so if you click on state, it takes you to government. A government is the system or group of people governing an organized community, often a state. In the case of its broad associative definition, government normally consists of legislature, executive, and judiciary, judiciary, Government is a means by which organizational policies are enforced as well as a mechanism for determining policy. Let's click on policy. A policy is a deliberate system of principles to guide decisions and achieve rational outcomes. A policy is a statement of intent and is implemented as a procedure or protocol. Policies are generally adopted by a governance body with an organization, policies can assist in both subjective and objective decision-making. All right, we're going with decision-making. And it takes you to decision-making. Um, in psychology, decision-making, also decision-making and decision-making, they spell it two different ways, is uh, regarded as the cognitive process resulting in the selection of a belief or a course of action among several alternative possibilities. Every decision-making process produces a final choice, which may or may not prompt action. Decision-making is the process of identifying and choosing alternatives based on the values, preferences, and beliefs of the, of the decision-maker. I'm going to click on values. In ethics, value denotes the degree of importance of something or action 
with the aim of determining what actions are best to do or what is best to live. So this is normative ethics or to describe the significance of different actions. Value systems are perspective and perspective beliefs. They affect ethical behavior of a person or are the basis of their intentional activities. Often primary values are strong and secondary values are suitable for change. What makes an action valuable may in turn depend on the ethical values of the object it increases, decreases, or alters. An object with ethical value may be termed an ethical or prolific good. Um, Value can be defined as broad preferences concerning appropriate courses of actions or outcomes. I'm not seeing many hot links um, in this one, but I'm just going to go ahead and click on normative ethics, which is the study of ethical action. It is the branch of philosophical ethics that investigates the set of questions that arise when considering how one ought to act, morally speaking. Normative ethics is distinct from meta-ethics. Let's check out meta-ethics. Is the branch of ethics that seeks to understand the nature of ethical properties, statements, attitudes, and judgments. Meta-ethics is one of the three branches of ethics generally studied by philosophers, the other being normative ethics and applied ethics. Let's check out applied ethics. refers to the practical application of moral considerations. It is ethics with respect to real-world actions and their moral considerations in the areas of private and public life. The professions, health, technology, law, and leadership. For example, the bioethics community is concerned with identifying the correct approach to moral issues in the life sciences, such as euthanasia. All right, I'm clicking on it. There are different euthanasia laws in each country. The British House of Lords Select Committee in Medical Ethics defines euthanasia as a deliberate intervention undertaken with the express intention of ending a life to retrieve intractable suffering. In the Netherlands and Belgium, euthanasia is understood as termination of life by a doctor at the request of a patient. The Dutch law, however, does not use the term euthanasia, but includes it under the broader definition of assisted suicide and termination of life on request. Euthanasia is categorized in different ways, which include voluntary, non-voluntary, or involuntary. Voluntary euthanasia is legal in some countries. Non-voluntary euthanasia which is the patient's consent unavailable, is illegal in all countries. Involuntary euthanasia without asking consent or against the patient's will is also illegal in all countries and is usually considered murder. As of 2006, euthanasia is the most active area of research in contemporary bioethics, which we're clicking on. Bioethics is the study of the ethical issues emerging from advances in biology and medicine It is also moral discernment as it relates to medical policy and practices. Bioethics are concerned with the ethical questions that arise in the relationship among life sciences, biotechnology, medicine, politics, law, and philosophy that includes the study of values, the ethics of the ordinary, which we're going to click on right now. So primary care ethics is the study of everyday decisions that primary care clinicians make, such as how long to spend with a particular patient, how to reconcile their own values and those of their patients, when and where to refer or investigate how to respect confidentiality when dealing with patients, relatives, and third parties, 
All these decisions involve values as well as facts. We're clicking on facts. A fact is a thing that is known to be consistent with objective reality and can be proven to be true with evidence. For example, this sentence contains words. This is a linguistic fact, and the sun is a star is a cosmological fact. Further, Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States, and Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, are also both facts of the historical type. All of the statements have the uh, quality of being, okay, I'm sorry, I skipped a word, epistemic quality of being ontologically superior to opinion or interpretation. They are either categorically necessary or supported by adequate historical documentation. So let's check epistemic, epistemic, epistemiology, um, logical discourse concerned with the theory of knowledge. Epistemiology is the study of the nature of knowledge, justification, and the rationality of belief. Much debate in epistemiology centers on four areas, the philosophical analysis of the nature of knowledge and how it relates to such concepts as such, bleh, bleh, such concepts as truth, belief, and justification. Various problems of skepticism, the source, the sources and scope of knowledge and justified belief, and the criteria for knowledge and justification. I'm clicking on skepticism. Um, so this is generally any questioning attitude or doubt towards one or more items of putative knowledge or belief. It is often directed at domains such as the supernatural, morality, religion, um, specifically the existence of God, or knowledge, uh, the possibility or knowledge of certainty. Formally, skepticism is a topic, of course, in the context of philosophy, particularly epistemology, which we already covered, although it can be applied to any topic such as politics, religion, and pseudoscience. I'm clicking on supernatural. Um, so the concept of supernatural encompasses anything that is inexplicable by scientific understanding or the laws of nature, but nevertheless argued by believers to exist. Examples include immaterial beings such as angels, gods, and spirits, and claimed human abilities like magic, telekinesis, and extrasensory perception. Historically, supernatural entities have been invoked to explain phenomena as diverse as lightning, seasons, and the human senses. Naturalists maintain that nothing beyond the physical world exists and hence maintain skeptical attitudes towards supernatural concepts. The supernatural is featured in paranormal occult and religious contexts. Oh, we're clicking on paranormal. That's where we're going from here. Paranormal events are purported phenomena described in popular cult folk and other non-scientific bodies of knowledge whose existence or whose existence within these contexts is described as beyond normal experience or scientific explanation. Okay, so proposals regarding the paranormal are different from scientific hypotheses or speculations extrapolated from scientific evidence because scientific ideas are grounded in empirical observations and experimental data gained through the scientific method. In contrast, those who argue for the existence of the paranormal explicitly do not base their arguments on empirical evidence but rather on the anecdote, testimony, and suspicion. 
Notable paranormal beliefs include those that pertain to telepathy, extrasensory, extrasensory perception, spiritualism, and the pseudosciences of ghost hunting. Oh, we're clicking on ghost hunting. Cryptozoology was on there too, which uh, maybe we'll end up there again in a minute. But ghost hunting is the process of investigating locations that are reported to be haunted by ghosts. Typically, a ghost hunting team will attempt to collect evidence supporting the existence of paranormal activity. Ghost hunters use a variety of electronic devices, including EMF meters, digital thermometers, both handheld and static digital video cameras, including thermographic and night vision cameras, as well as audio recorders. Other, more traditional techniques are also used, such as conducting interviews and researching the history of alleged haunting sites. Haunted sites, sorry. Ghost hunters may also refer to themselves as paranormal investigators. Ghost hunting has been heavily criticized for its dismissal of the scientific method. No scientific study has ever been able to confirm the existence of ghosts. The practice is considered a pseudoscience by the vast majority of educators, academics, science writers, and skeptics. Science historians, I'm sorry, science historian Brian Regal describes ghost hunting as an unorganized exercise of futility. So let's go ahead and check out Brian Regal. He's an American historian of science, skeptic, and writer. He is assistant professor of history of science at Keene University in New Jersey. Regal is the author of Searching for Sasquatch, Crackpots, Eggheads, and Cryptozoology, a scholarly study on cryptozoology. Oh, we're clicking on it. Cryptozoology is a pseudoscience and subculture that aims to prove the existence of entities from the folklore record, such as Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, or uh, Moliki Membe. Cryptozoologists refer to these entities as cryptids, a term coined by the subculture because it does not follow the scientific method. Cryptozoology is considered a pseudoscience by the academic world. It is neither a branch of zoology nor folkloristics. It was originally founded in 1950s by zoologists Bernard Huvelmans and Ivan T. Sanson, Sanderson. Sorry, Ivan T. Sanderson. Scholars have noted that the pseudoscience rejected mainstream approaches for an early date that adherents often express hostility to mainstream science. Scholars have studied cryptozoologists and their influence, including the pseudoscience along with young earth creationism, and have noted parallels in cryptozoology and other pseudosciences, pseudosciences such as ghost hunting and ufology. All right, so... I guess we'll go ahead and hit up ufology is the study of reports, visual records, physical evidence, and other phenomena related to unidentified flying objects. UFO reports have been subject to various investigations over the years by governments, independent groups, and scientists. However, ufology as a field has been rejected by modern academia and is considered pseudoscience. So we've danced around it this whole time. Let's click on pseudoscience. Pseudoscience consists of Statements, beliefs, or practices that are claimed to be both scientific and factual, but are incompatible with the scientific method. Pseudoscience is often characterized by contradictory, exaggerated, or unfalsifiable claims. Reliance on confirmation bias rather than rigorous attempts at refutation, uh, lack of openness to evaluation by other experts, and absence of systematic practices when developing theories and continued adherence long after they have been experimentally discredited. So I am going to click on confirmation bias. Confirmation bias also 
conformatory bias, or my side bias, is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or hypotheses. This is a type of cognitive bias and a systematic error of inductive reasoning. People display this bias when they gather or remember information selectively or when they interpret a biased way. The effect is stronger for emotionally charged issues and for deeply entrenched beliefs. Confirmation bias is a variation of the more general tendency of apophia. Apophia? Apophia. People also tend to interpret ambiguous evidence as supporting their existing positions. Bias search, interpretation, and memory have been invoked in the explanation, attitude, polarization, when a disagreement becomes more extreme, even though the different parties are exposed to the same evidence. Belief, perseverance. When beliefs persist after evidence for them is shown to be false, the irrational primacy effect Uh, a greater reliance on information encountered early in a series, and illusory correlation when people falsely perceive an occasion between two events or situations. So a series of psychological experiments, sorry, I said that way too fast, psychological experiments in the 1960s suggest that people are biased toward confirming their existing beliefs. Um, Later work interpreted these results as a tendency to test ideas and one-sided way focusing on oh on one possibility and ignoring alternatives in certain situations this tendency can bias people's conclusions explanations for the observed biases include wishful thinking and the limited human capacity to process information oh we're clicking on wishful thinking Uh, Wishful thinking is the formation of beliefs and making decisions according to what might be pleasing to imagine instead of by appealing to evidence, rationality, or reality. I'm clicking on reality just to kind of cap it off. Reality is the sum or aggregate of all that is real or existent as opposed to that which is mere imaginary. The term is also used to refer to the ontological status of things inducting their existence. In physical terms, reality is the totality of the universe, known and unknown. Philosophical questions about the nature of reality or existence or being are considered under the rubric of ontology, which is a major branch of metaphysics in the Western philosophical tradition. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to cap it off right there. I got some stuff I got to take care of. Uh, Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something. Looks like we're right at 18 minutes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get everything set up to record again in another day or so. So if you like this, tell your friends. Uh, Don't hesitate to try to start where I start and follow along. Um, All this is coming straight off of Wikipedia. Uh, It's open sourced. And again, there's plenty of disclaimers on Wikipedia that, you know, it is open sourced. So don't rely on it 100%, even though a lot of it is, you know, reliable, which you can kind of go back to what we just read. So thanks guys. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks again.